Welcome everybody to Too Legit to Crit, a tabletop role-playing podcast hosted by two guys with the sex appeal of sewer oozes. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Nah, well, you know, you've put on a bit. I have a maze, I have a maze, I've lost weight, screw you, you haven't seen me in ages in person. <laughs> no, you are a sexual, sexy human being. If you could say that sentence without stuttering, that'd be amazing, and I'd believe you. Um, <laughs> it was a struggle. It was, it was. It was no, I do, you know how I find you sexy. I know, I you know. Are, you are dripping with eroticism. <laughs> So anyway, my name is John Santana. I am still Justin. That's not changed. Uh, no plans to change anytime soon either. One day we'll get you to change. No. I just think for the podcast, you know. No. It'll make for good listening. <laughs> just one day just randomly like, I am no longer Justin. <laughs> That's my new name. No longer Justin. <laughs> my name is Baltazar. Um, all right. So how have you been getting on? Uh, not too bad, man. Um, so after discovering um, that I have the Fantasy Age rulebook sitting in my uh, Green Ronin account, I re-downloaded it all um, for first edition Fantasy Age um, because when the hardcover book comes out later this month, I suppose technically next month still because it's the 31st still. Um, but yeah, because it's due to come out, the hardcover version sort of mid-August um, and I'll be buying it when it comes out. Nice. So I wanted to kind of catch myself back up on first edition so that I could compare the two a bit more uh, happily. So then when second bit, edition comes refreshed. out, you've yeah. got a right to bitch and whine about things exactly. that have been... They changed this and it was my favourite. I've been, I've been following this system for a week. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I actually... I used to play it quite a lot. Um, and then I... So I knew that somebody had the books but i thought i was using somebody else's copies um until obviously i, I went to log into green ronin to buy the the new one um and was like oh wait i have them for the old version already so that was quite nice uh it was a nice little discovery awesome awesome so i've been i've been rereading that and organizing with some people to come around and play a few sessions Sounds good. Sounds good. If you need, it shall be awesome. If you need one more on the night I am free, I will happily come and try it out. Never tried it. So. I will let you know when we are planning to play. Yeah, just keep me updated. And mm-hmm. again, it all depends on my schedule, which, you know, is... is <laughs> it's hard to find time. Yes. What about yourself? What have you been up to? Well, I spent more money. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. And this, what did you buy? This was like the, the definition of a fucking whim. <laughs> it was just an advertisement. You know, like Facebook gives you these random advertisements from time to time. Mm-hmm. Well, mine, my Facebook, a lot of those advertisements are for some like random uh, product from some random tabletop role-playing game companies. And... I just saw one, and I don't. I genuinely never heard of this uh, company before. They may be huge, and I may be completely ignorant. If that's the case, I'm very sorry. But Seafoot Games, um, they put out uh, a bundle: twenty-eight dollars, fourteen fantasy campaign source books. Okay. So I went, yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. Why not? And you know, so I bought it. <laughs> 
tell you what. <laughs> That's such a you thing to do. Yeah, but I do not regret it. <laughs> this thing is fucking awesome. Okay. You know, it's like 40... They say it's 14 um, campaign source books. What it is, is 14 locations. Each mm-hmm. of those locations, they've given you a source book with um, a description of the location, um, a detailed description of each, like, for example, room if it's a dungeon, yeah. NPCs, magical items, um, adventures that you can have, and it's all okay. system agnostic. Ah, oh, that's pretty cool. So you could literally just plug it into anything you wanted if you just needed some quick content. Yeah, and, you know... The, that's pretty cool. The maps, they come in, like, PNGs for... for direct upload to stuff like Roll20. They also come in PDFs if you want to print them off or if you want them on your TV. Also, a lot of the maps come with uh, Foundry support. Ah, that's awesome. So you can just upload them to Foundry. You've got all the walls and and all that. It is a fucking good buy. So if you want to... I might have to get you to ping me a link for that. Yeah, um, CFOT Games, they they do Mm. a shitload of bundles. I'll definitely be kind of keeping an eye on this company. Again, yeah. it's weird that I've never heard of them before. Well, that does sound that does sound pretty good. Uh, I'll have to give that a look. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about today, Justin. So am I. And that's mainly because I am not alone. Is evil just I, in there with you? No. No? Okay. Evil somebody is, though. <laughs> the other side of the world. <laughs> Well, it's been a long time coming, ladies and gentlemen, but we finally, finally have managed to coincide with our good friend Couch, the namesake of one section of our show, Mm -hmm. and he is joining us tonight. He is, and he's joining me in person. He's sitting in my living room right now. Trying to ask more questions and (laughs) put in locations as sitting next to you. Yep. That's fair. Um, that my my first question to you, Couch, is how do you feel that sci-fi is coming for that crown? Oh, sci-fi! No, 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 that's not happening. It's not happening. I am gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a lot more questions than he will. I, I am ahead of the game, and I'm gonna keep ahead of the game. Well, we know who you are. We've we've had the pleasure of being your friend for, for many years. Um, Far but, too long, if you ask me. Uh, look, if you, ta- you guys start fighting, there's no way I can split you up. So uh, <laughs> the, the microphone's the only thing that's stopping this. Yeah, the microphone's the only thing in the way of right, us. If, so you guys, if you guys don't stop, I'm going to turn this podcast around. <laughs> <laughs> so, Couch, tell our listeners about yourself. All right, so I'm Couch, and I've been known as Couch for a very long time. Yes. I've known Justin for Let's 18... not go there. It's longer than that. Is it? I think so. Damn. Our, our, our friendship is long enough, old enough... To that we've forgotten. ...in this country, <laughs> legally. It's old enough that we've forgotten how long yeah. it is. <laughs> um, I have been into games for a very long time. Mm-hmm. My uncle raised me on board games, role-playing games, everything from when I was like three, four years old. Uh, Introduction to Conan at four years old, lots of fantasy book, 
uh, went through and watched him play things like Monkey Island when I was younger. Uh, his friend used to come around and play D&D 2nd Edition. Jesus. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I've seen I've seen the darkness <laughs> and how far it goes back. And as, obviously, I grew older, I got into a lot more other bits and pieces, lots of other role-playing games. I did lots of video games primarily, and my background comes from, like, the JRPG side. So I have a lot of Eastern influence, even looking at some of their tabletop role-playing games. And then I finally got pulled into an actual tabletop role-playing game with (laughs) you guys back in 2015. And that was the first guest you had on Scott's campaign, which I was pulled in as the, hey, we need a healer. (laughs) Do you want to play a healer? This is a cleric. Don't you like clerics? <laughs> and, and then and then you chose deity. And then I chose my deity. Yeah. Which I tried to explain. <laughs> but she was the head of the gods, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Pantheon. Mm-hmm. And you took her name and bastardized it for years. <laughs> Absolute years. It's still going. And it's still going. Yup. And every time I listen and I hear her name being said, I I have that little twitch (laughs) that just comes back, which is why my character ended up being called Twitch, (laughs) even though his name is Tyke. Yep. So after that, I then... Good old Saran Wrap. (laughs) Expended out Pathfinder, played a bit of D&D... Played a lot of the Apocalypse, um, powered by the Apocalypse system. And I've got things like Monster of the Week under my belt. I've looked into Apocalypse, Keys by Apocalypse, which was mentioned on this podcast. I've sort of read into it and seen what things are about. I've looked into the Borderlands RPG. Looked into the Dragon Age one, the 40k one, Fantasy one. So, I mean, I've done a lot of stuff, but I've ended up with two kids under four years old that like to break everything. So. Yeah, it is. It's not easy (laughs) Um, with kids. But yeah, I, you know, uh, I think kind of that's where our friendship began, didn't it? Um, In Scott's Scott's game. Yeah, yeah. It was a meeting of minds when we first all got together um, with uh sit down of, oh, this is, this is John. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, cool. Hi. Nice to meet you. Um, I'm going to sit here and be quiet and look at my sheets for the next 20 minutes, making sure that I'm actually doing things right. And then having Justin sitting again, I'm going to bash stuff. I'm going to hit it. Yeah. He's going to hit it. We had Chris sitting there with his, I'm going to shoot it. Shooty, shooty, ranger, ranger. <laughs> uh, and then we we just kept going. Yeah. Years. Years and years of playing, talking, just being friends. And I mean, I'm even, you know, the godfather to your children in you a way. Are, you so. are indeed. Um, so, I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it's how we've evolved. No, I mean, if... if... <laughs> 
if at one point, and I don't think this will ever happen, I do kind of, you know, uh, move on to other hobbies, which doubt it. Um, but, you know, <laughs> one massive takeaway is going to be, and not to sound too corny, but the friendships we made along the way. Um, but yours, obviously. Well, this was fun. Um, we had a good run. Uh, it's getting too cheesy for me. Um, Whereas for me, that's that's just basic <laughs> anime. Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, love was the answer. The power of friendship will see us through, guys. Yeah, it was the answer. Don't you see it? The All right, Yugi, calm love. down. The answer was love. Um, but yeah, I mean, you and Ellie obviously are, are now family. Um, as far mm. as I'm concerned, you're the godparents to my kids, and all this has stemmed from one South African talking to me while I was very drunk one night. Yes, yeah. yes, I did. Oh, I was talking about the other South African. <laughs> the one that went, do you want to play Pathfinder? And I went, yeah, all right. Yeah, right then. Yeah, yeah it's all good. <laughs> well, it was an emotional time. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a long time coming to have you here. And I'm glad you're finally here. Yeah, couldn't, could not be happier. Yeah. It's, it's the guest we've wanted for a long time. But it is funny that you brought up um, JRPGs. Um, Because one of the things I kind of saw this week, Mm. which may interest you in particular, uh, Couch, is a new JRPG-inspired game called Fabula Ultima. Uh Uh-huh. So let me just bring this up. So yeah, apparently it's inspired by stuff like Final Fantasy, etc., etc. Which yeah, I've played Final Fantasy, but I've never really been into the the JRPG sort of um, fan base. I've never really really followed it, other than Final Fantasy. But apparently, um, this has been nominated for an Emmy. So wow. yeah, it looks pretty good, and I think it looks right up your alley, to be honest. If if I'm looking at the same picture, the main character looks like the main character from Goblin Slayer. <laughs> he genuinely looks like an anime character. Well, potentially, I don't know what picture you're looking at. So, quite possible. It is. It does have a very anime sort of feel to it. Like just looking I mean, at that, some that, of the that's artwork. That's my wheelhouse. Yeah. That's, so that's apparently, it came out last zones. year. Um, written by Emmanuel Galetto and published by Need Games. It takes place in a high fantasy setting full of magic, unique locations, and of course, weird monsters. Fabula Ultima pulled out all of the stops in terms of trying to replicate the JRPG. Ooh. I'd be intrigued to give that a yeah, go. I mean, that, that, that sounds fun. fun. I would happily want to play that or... <laughs> If you could see the smile on his face right now. <laughs> so it includes I would GM the hell out of that. <laughs> right, would... there you go. You heard it here first. I He's would, GMing. I would GM uh, the hell He's GMing it. Does that mean it's going on the list? I know too much. Yep, it's going on the list. Put on the list. Drag it across right now. <laughs> All right. And see, I think the funniest thing is things like that. I could I could turn around and be like, I'll be GM because I know all the tropes. Yes. And it's going to be like, oh, you get massive boss and then his sidekick walks up and just one shots him yeah and it turns out to be another boss that's a god yeah 
That sounds about right. But then another god comes in. <laughs> all of the gods. All, all of I the need gods. to tell you is to do a training montage. <laughs> and then I for bet- sixteen episodes, or or you you, you start just like. <sighs> You start breathing heavy. Yeah, breathe like, heavy. Oh, you're breathing heavy. And then you're screaming. Oh, guess who's about to win? <laughs> Not Vegeta. Yeah, there's a transformation coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd Your be attack up. is actually 17 sessions long. <laughs> I would be up for that. <laughs> just every, like, couple of weeks, you just sort of just go, <laughs> week later, meh. <laughs> I mean, the worst thing you could probably do is give me a fucking writing prompt in, in during combat. <laughs> You're like, right, sit the down, sit sit fucking down, and let's do this. <laughs> Three pages later, oh. I make my attack and probably miss. <laughs> Doesn't that annoy you when that fucking happens? You go and fucking well, when you miss attacks, I'm used to it. Oh yeah, but not only that, <laughs> but you know, the the time when I the times when I add a bit of flavour to the attack. And, you know, kind of embellish it with a bit of narrative to make the combat more interesting. And I go and fuck it. Ah, God damn it. Mm. Yeah, again, okay. used to it. Yeah, but is you that, just miss everything. Like, anyway. I use my acrobatics. I, I really do. I use my acrobatics to do a backflip. And then I land perfectly. And I, I swish and I pull my sword out and flick for his face. Okay, give, give, me, give me your acrobatics check. Give me a check. Nat one. Nat Bollocks. One. <laughs> damn. So yeah, the sword that, is in my face now. <laughs> that does that does tend to happen to me quite often. That's me. Oh. No, so yeah, well, that, that, that definitely on the list. Definitely, yeah, absolutely. But speaking of tropes, this is going to be one of those amazing segues of mine. I I, um, I hardly realised we've transitioned. It was so good. Exactly. It was exactly. Like, what? What? We're now talking about something else. I, Holy shit! I I was at the pub on Saturday, and somebody told me about a tabletop role-playing game that sounded amazing. It's called Dream Park. And it's based on a film, right? And the film was set in this, like, role-playing theme park where you essentially... It's all, like, virtual reality type stuff um, where you go and you actually, like, live as your character, kind of like LARPy virtual reality kind of mismatch or uh, mismatch even um and yeah so you go and you like live out as your character but the tabletop role-playing game is you play as somebody going to the park to play your character so you're playing the player playing a role-playing game so so, so, this this is tabletop inception yes i was just thinking that it does sound very inception based (laughs) But it's all like pre-inception because this came out in the 80s and the 70s. Oh, damn. <laughs> but I found a copy of the rule book for 20 quid, so I'm absolutely buying it because it sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, 1992. I'm just having a look now. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, you, you literally play as players playing role-playing characters. So it'd be like if somebody was playing us when we're having a session, is this game. So it's so- until I read the rule book, obviously I can't mm-hmm. wrap my head around this. Mm-hmm. But you're rolling to roll dice. Yes. In the game. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, so can Justin fail more than once? Yes. On a dice roll. Yes. <laughs> can Justin fail so to can, fail? 
Yes. <laughs> he can fail the fail. I can fail the fail. Exactly. So does that mean wow. you succeed? <laughs> My luck might, like, end up cancelling out in this system because I fail to fuck up. So if, yeah, if you Which fail means I succeed. Fail, you, that's why you fucking like it. This exactly. Is a, this is a hustle. <laughs> no, you see, but it's either that or because of that, like, double negative, my dice this end in the real world are going to just roll amazing so that I then succeed to fail. <laughs> so if you... work in that game? I don't know yet. If you as Justin... <laughs> yes. ...just happen to roll a natural 20... Yes. ...and your character in the game just happened to roll a natural 20... Does that yes. mean a tear in reality happens and we all die? Quite possibly. Yeah, that oh, you can't play away. that you're, game. You're going to die after I will. <laughs> yeah, we can't play that game just in case. For the good no, of the world. No, no we must. <laughs> it needs to happen, damn it. Don't open a bag of holding. <laughs> Put another bag of holding. Put a bag of holding in it. It's the same thing. It's, exactly, yeah. it's the same thing. You... It's going to be amazing. I yeah, I definitely. I love it. It sounds so good. I yeah, no, I'm, I'm absolutely buying it. I'm buying a copy of it uh, probably this week, and as soon as it arrives, I'm going to be reading it cover to cover like 50 times because that just as a concept, it sounds amazing. Like to be role playing role players playing characters. And does someone See, role? Does someone role play as the GM who's sick of your shit? <laughs> the GM role plays as the GM. <laughs> See, going from that, obviously, it reminds me of a video game that I have had dealings with. Mm -hmm. And if you've not heard of it, Persona. Yes. So obviously in Persona, you play a character that then has another world that they go into in that. Yeah, or or even like um, the Assassin's Creed's, right? Because you play as a character who then goes into the Animus and then controls the Assassin. So it's like that double dive in. But saying that. Obviously, there is a Persona tabletop <laughs> RPG game. Ah, see? He's come with segues of his own. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Which is, I'm the only one who hasn't had a segue. I feel bad. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. It's, I'm taking it away. Taking it away. <laughs> but I'm I, I just saying, as soon as you said that, obviously, I'm thinking Persona, mm. and then I know there is a Persona tabletop yeah. game that you can play. And obviously, with that, you play a normal high school character who will then deep dive past that yeah. into another character that then has their own things and then they control their own minions. Yes. So you then have three layers. Yeah, you've got like those multiple layers. Yeah, and that, that's layers. the same kind of concept. Yeah, as this. So you've got like that, like you control the player, but the player controls the character. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So you're not only making decisions in character, you're making decisions... In your character's character. Fucking hell. <laughs> I think a nosebleed would happen at some point. I think yes. I, my brain would melt. And I, I just, it's just, it's such a cool concept that I would love to give it a try. Yeah, well, if you do get it, let us know because I'm very fucking curious as to how that's going to work. <laughs> but yeah, I just, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that one. So I'll be buying it probably this week. Fair enough. It's just it's just really throwing me. To be honest, it is the, just the whole concept of it. I mean, I'm looking it up now. It's Dream Park, the role-playing game. 
Mm-hmm. So you basically, yeah, you create two characters. You first create a primary character, usually a fairly ordinary person. Primary yeah. character then creates a dream park persona that the primary yes. character will use in the dream park game within the overall game. Even Wikipedia is giving me a fucking headache. <laughs> so, so basically, right, the the dream park is essentially um, like a it's like it's a theme park for role playing games, right? So that that's what the film was. So the people who had like money would go and do these like big campaign adventures where they essentially like book in for weeks at a time and they they play through like a, a campaign. But then you could also go and do like a, a one day one shot where you go and you just play a character for a day and it's like a pre generated character that you just play. Um, so that's like that was the the concept for the film, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's you're you're going in and doing these adventures in the film, but then somebody's turned that into a tabletop role-playing game where you control the people going into the park to play their characters in the campaigns and stuff in the park. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. It'll be an experience. <laughs> I'm just looking at Couch's face right now. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of experience, Can I say my head hurts? Yes, you can. <laughs> but speaking of experiences... Um, ah, I see. Segue of his own. Uh, there we go. Uh-huh. Yeah, there you go. I, I knew I'd get it. Um, not to be outdone. <laughs> not to be outdone. Um, remember when we were speaking, I think it was last week, about Mirrorscape? Yes. Where it was like an AR sort of tabletop, um, virtual tabletop? Yes. I've actually downloaded it and tried it. Ooh. And um, what is the verdict? Um, Not bad. Um, it glad- <laughs> Do you want to try main- that again and be a little bit more convincing? <laughs> no, I mean, my main gripe with it was the whole AR aspect of it. Yeah. Um, it just seemed a bit pointless to me, but I will happily say that it does have a 3D version. So okay. do you remember like Pokemon Go where it was AR, but you could switch off Turn the off. AR yeah. aspect of it? You yeah, can do yeah. the same thing. Okay, so then it just becomes a sort of 3D virtual tabletop. It becomes a 3D virtual tabletop, which, so far, so good. Um, I did um, have a look at creating a sort of dungeon, and it did seem quite laborious. Whereas, you know, you're placing little sort of um, sections of walls. Hmm. Which seemed a bit, you know, especially when you've got stuff like Dungeon Alchemist, which is out, and yeah, you can create rooms in seconds. But I did try and download like a full village map, and it looked pretty sweet. It didn't look too bad. Um, I don't think it's gonna. I'm, I don't think I'm, it's gonna convert me anytime soon. But <laughs> it's, I'm not as against it as I was. I'm wondering if, with, with what you're saying there about the, um, you know, the the sort of 3D only mode that kind of gets rid of the the AR, it might be really good for someone like myself who's got the, um, you know, the table on the, t- you know, the TV on the table because you could have a 3D model in your screen there. Yeah, but wouldn't that be a bit awkward to kind of actually play on with with proper tokens? Mm, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, ignore me. Yeah, your your the, the way that you talk. described it last week, mm. and obviously listening to it and everything, I I was even questioning it. Yeah, but 
I mean, it depends what the file types that mm. are loaded for the dungeon are. Because then surely there must be a way of creating something outside on a flat plane yeah. or outside it and uh, then import it in. Import, yeah. Mm. But for that, you'd probably just use then, Dungeon Alchemist. You know, you can design yeah, I mean, your dungeon. Dungeon in... Alchemist have that 3D sort of function. Yeah, they have the 3D function, and it's weird because they don't have it for for play. But you can like create a 3D dungeon and export it. Oh. So then you may be able to create it in Alchemist, export it, and then import it into the um, Mirrorscape app. Depends. We're talking about proprietary um, systems. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of these systems don't like don't play well together. They don't. They don't. Mm. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it really sounds like Dungeon Keeper if you've mm. ever played it. Yeah, and that whole system of playing the make your own dungeon and yeah. build your own traps and everything, and obviously it is laborious. It's a very long system. Yeah, I think it might be one we have to uh, just keep an eye on because it, it definitely has the potential to be something good if they do it right. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, it kind of reminds me of when we first started playing and we found that iPad um, app, mm. which we kind of used, that. which was, yeah. it wasn't 3D, there were no walls, but mm. you could have it in a 3D mode where you'd see the flat map and the tokens yeah. would look like um, Pathfinder pawns. Yeah, I remember that. I mean, it was <laughs> it was cool as shit. It was just buggy. It did the job. Fuck. It was buggy. Yeah, it, it did the job. It did the job. No one was allowed to touch it mm. because if you touched it, the whole yeah. plane changed. <laughs> I remember. I remember authorization to touch it. one. <laughs> Yeah, it was good. Uh, the, the good old days. Good times. Then, good times. Yeah. And then Scott <laughs> discovered Roll Twenty. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And everyone started playing on Roll Twenty. Yeah. And then we discovered Foundry and went, "Okay, see ya." And then I discovered that I had a spare TV. <laughs> I discovered I had a blanket and some books, <laughs> and just put them on the floor and went. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a tree. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm. That's a book. No, that's a tree. I'm. I'm in for that. Fuck that. Anyway, <laughs> it used to be a tree once upon a time. <laughs> it was a tree. Deal with it. That's a forest now. <laughs> just rip all the pages out. Yeah, that's forest. forest. <laughs> and somehow, just in character, ends up in it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> somewhere, somewhere in this forest, in a tree, is it's... Justin's character. Please find it. We don't know where they are. Uh, it's easy. Just look for where the arrows that aren't hitting anything are coming from. God, guys. <laughs> How can we see the arrows if they're not hitting everything? Because they're hitting the ground next but to whatever you, I'm shooting at. shoot that bad, they wouldn't even hit the ground. <laughs> they somehow just fly for eternity. fly off into another plane of existence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny because it's true. <laughs> oh, Yeah. So I don't have a I don't have a sexy segue, but this is something that I'm actively excited about. Um, so, uh, first of all, I want to kind of lead with a disclaimer: this is not a Tales of the Valiant fan cast. 
<laughs> are you sure we do end up talking about it quite a we do lot. <laughs> every week almost i, I it, swear it's every time i press play on a podcast this one especially it just comes up again have you heard of tales of the valiant because <laughs> it looks really good <laughs> have you have you heard of this would you like to go to their website well have you have you, have you kick-started it yet please press this press this button <laughs> Well, I wouldn't have brought this up, but this is something that actively excites me. Um, so, when Tales of before Tales of the Valiant was announced, they announced it under a different name. Yes, Black. Which you were very upset about when they changed it. I didn't. I not not exactly. <laughs> we we have it on record that you got upset when they changed we it. We need to check the tapes because I, you can <laughs> find a little bit. That I got upset about the fact that they changed Black, yeah, they changed Flag, Black Flag Friday. Friday. I know to something on Friday, yeah, because it was you know Black Flag Friday was fucking amazing. So they have put up a post on CobblePress.com and it is the Black Flag Returns. Oh God! Wait, <laughs> this one actually a pirate campaign? Did they listen to us complaining about them changing the name and change it back? <laughs> So basically, I'll read. I'll read what they've put out. It says from the beginning, Black Flag sparked a fire with fans. We liked it too. Everyone, it seems, rallied under the Black Flag to make Tales of the Valiant possible. We couldn't trademark the term though, so we put it down as we moved forward. But as we've explored core fantasy role playing and the open licenses it encompasses we noticed that we didn't need to trademark the name of our free open system, available for anyone to use with no restrictions and no money. So, what if we raise the black flag forever? The core fantasy role-playing will now be called the Black Flag role-playing system. And, yeah. Uh, Oh, my God. I'm fucking, yeah, I'm... I'm not going to say erect... Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> we all know you are. But, you know, chub. <laughs> that That's actually quite cool that they've listened to everyone uh, who obviously had a very similar opinion to yourself of bring it back, that was awesome. And they've gone, well, we didn't because legal reasons, but then we realised those legal reasons don't actually exist. So we did it. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited, man. Good for them. Yeah, that's really cool. And I'm looking forward to playing it even more now so, so, so the actual system mm-hmm. is called black flag yes yeah tales um, of the valiant is what the other stuff's called well that's the thing i'm not entirely sure um if those two things are directly related um because tales of the valiant is 5e based now i don't know whether they are um that they are, um, I won't say copywriting because it because they're um, releasing it for free. But mm. if they are basically releasing this rule set as a free sort of replacement for Five E when D and D we don't want to be called D and D one anymore comes out. Mm. <laughs> well, yeah, because they, they, I'm just reading that that uh, article on, on Cobalt Press as well, and they've put their uh, henceforth our open perpetual. Uh, irrevocable license available for all to play and publish will sail under the black flag so yeah so it looks like the the core system is black flag um and that's like their their license and system that they've put out for this 
that's so cool. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think I get it. <laughs> Your face says otherwise. <laughs> I, I got to be honest. Like, I listen to this podcast to get news because I can't go into the world myself and read this stuff because I look at this stuff and go, I have no idea exactly what that means. <laughs> and so I come li- to the people that can dumb it down. <laughs> To tell me. And you listen to <laughs> us to explain it to you? Holy shit. I'm a simple man. I like That's listening boring. to simple pomp podcasts. <laughs> well, we are simple. I'll give you that. We are fucking simple. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The amount of people that are far better at doing this than us. And you, oh, Don't get me wrong. We appreciate it. But beggar's belief. But yeah, that is that is good news. I'm I'm positively excited about that. It sounds like it's going to be a, a fun name for a system. So, oh, what are you doing? D&D? No, no, I'm playing Black, Black Flag. Flag. Yeah. yeah. Although I feel like with, with a lot of the people that we know, if we say that, they're going to assume we mean Assassin's Creed. We're just going to go play Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Oh, me and seven of my mates are going to play Black Flag. We're all going to play the same Assassin's Creed. We're sharing Assassin's one controller. <laughs> no, we're, all, we're sharing one controller. I'm in charge of the X button. <laughs> Dibs on the L1, you know that? <laughs> I just want the rumble pack on my crotch. There's <laughs> <laughs> always uh, one. There's always, always one, and it's always John. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, Rumble. ladies and gentlemen, this is a bit of an insight into what our first um, campaign with Scott was like. <laughs> yeah, now you know why he's barely sane. <laughs> <laughs> See, the biggest problem is, is I was the straight guy in that campaign i was the cleric that had to be just a priest yeah and i tried to play that cleric i i I still one of my like biggest memories from that campaign was i think we were interrogating someone and we were about to take it to a point where you weren't comfortable as a character and i think i can't remember which one of us touched china and hey tyke do you need some fresh air and you're like no i'm good like go get some fresh air (laughs) <laughs> it genuinely became that you had that entire group of chaotic neutral characters and you trying to raid us a in neutral, get a good character trying to raid everybody in Going, guys can we stop doing this now please can we stop the mindless please. murder please but i think it was also it was also the fact that we kind of all fell into roles because obviously you were the straight guy um yeah chris's character was was the stern, moody sort the of sort. <laughs> and I he was, was the just, stoic Batman. I was just the Batman. dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because it's true. But, you know, I just brought I, I was the, myself. I was the comic into, relief. I just brought myself into the game. <laughs> yeah, my character was the comic relief because you laughed at me, not with me. <laughs> I, I felt that as that campaign went... I grew with that character, mm. and I grew that character from I'm a I'm a priest to I know these people, I know what we can do, but I'm gonna try and sway them the good way, and it never worked. <laughs> I will correct you on that. It did work because I did have an alignment shift. I went from chaotic oh, yeah. neutral to chaotic good. How? 
yeah, I, sort of bring that whole thing. So I hope it was worth it. The golden nectar of Saran Ray. Saran Wrap. Saran Wrap. Saran Wrap. Saran Wrap. Saran Wrap. I'm the only one that's ever going to say her name properly. Yes. Yeah. Do, oh, right. That's absolutely our first merch drop, by the way. We're going to get t-shirts that have Saran Wrap. I pray to just, Saran Wrap. Yeah. Just just a roll <laughs> off on the front of the thing. It looks like a scroll, but it's actually just clean it's, film. It's a roll of some clean film. <laughs> With a dice in front of it. And, and then just like the, the like text to just be blessed by Saran Wrap. <laughs> that sounds good to me. Uh, yeah, let's have, amazing. We have a We don't have a merch list. We, we don't have a merch list. We need a merch list. We need a merch list. Because like, I've put the, the Dragon List merch in the uh, idea board. Oh, yeah, you have, yeah. So we could we could create a merch list and then start putting some stuff in it. What, like I'm doing now? Yes, like you're <laughs> doing right now. And while you're doing that, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna segue elsewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's smooth. Let's, let's wrap that up. There we go. That's it. Spring. <sighs> right. What? <laughs> Invite me into your house. I dare you. <laughs> I did. It's horrendous. <laughs> Don't do it, folks. Um, <laughs> there's been uh, a fair amount of Pathfinder news that I've I've uh, spotted, and as somebody who's far more into it, I think you would probably be better talking about it because I saw it. I was like, "Ha, huh, Pathfinder stuff," and then I ignored it. That's fair. Um, it's <laughs> not. It's not. I mean, obviously, Pathfinder does have a lot of news with with like Rage of Elements coming out, but. That's not until next week. I'll I'll probably go into that a bit more next week. Because mm. um, yeah. I'm getting the book in two, three days' time. Ooh. Um, so, yeah, I won't really bother too much with that. This isn't a massive amount of news. It's just... Paizo seem to be going in quite novel directions. Mm. And the first one um, is they have... Um, signed a deal with I think the company is actually called Lawmasters. Okay. Alright. And essentially what it is, it is going to be a an app which will quiz you on Pathfinder law and rules. Okay. <laughs> so it's, you're not you know you're not actually playing the role playing game but there's going to be over 6500 questions designed to test your skills. And yeah, you basically open the app and just kill so, some time by answering I some questions. I saw this. I saw this as a YouTube advert for me. It came up and I looked at it and I was going, "Oh, that that could be interesting." But it just it, it sounds like homework for power gamers. <laughs> it's like, brush up on your power gaming. Learn all of the ins and outs of the rules with this quiz. <laughs> no, I mean, it's... In- again, it's a, it's an interesting sort of direction that they're taking. Yeah, I mean... So it looks like a role-playing game based on the questions, though. Because just reading the website... Start your adventure off with 200 plus free questions. Use the onboarding section to get you started. Choose a class or tackle the entire content of a book. Battle your way through five difficulty levels. 
Manage your hit points and level up by gaining XP and challenge your friends to PvP. <gasps> it has PvP. I'm, I'm getting it. Oh. It's got PvP. I'm getting it. It just sounds like a, a you know, a, a mobile game. Just. But yeah. I, I'm into this. It, 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 it's, it's essentially they've um, gamified a quiz on... Pathfinder rules and law. Which, I mean, in terms of in, in in terms of expanding the brand, you know, it's not bad. I mean, it can't hurt. And also, I mean, what's the worst case scenario? Oh no, people are more familiar with the rules. Uh, yeah, and, like... <laughs> and familiar with the law. Yeah. See, Do you know I, I find things like this, especially with gamifying, learning, and different forms of just rewarding. Because that's what you're doing. It's like, if you're Mm. on a tabletop and you're playing an RPG, you can sit and you can play the game with your friends, other people, and just go through the game bit by bit. You pick up the rules, you roll some dice, you have fun. You play these sort of games... And obviously there are certain people, like the person sitting opposite me right now, that have this wonderful dopamine switch that is, oh, it just pinged at me. I like this. I will keep going. Yes. And that's what we're gamifying. Yes. Is we're gamifying rules. Yes. And law and things that will help you to play the tabletop. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's more of a companion not, uh, piece, isn't it? And Yeah, I definitely like it. Yeah, I mean, it. I did a whole project on this sort of thing for a business planning thing I did. Mm. And it was gamifying incentives. And obviously looking into all the research on it, it is a very good way of introducing l- rules, laws, um, rewards, all that sort of stuff. <clears throat> to help people meld into their roles. like So even if you were starting a new campaign and you had someone that never played Pathfinder before, you could sit there and go, oh, download this app first, play it for a little bit, then come to the tabletop. Yeah. And they've got that introduction to what the system is before they get to even a session zero. It also means that you're not going to overload them with like, here's a 500 page book, start mm. reading. It's like, here's a couple of like key questions that are going to, you know, put you on the right path and you're going to have a little bit of knowledge before you sit down to that first session and you're not going to get overworked. Cause I mean, we all went through it, right? When we first started Pathfinder, we downloaded the PDF and we saw <laughs> like 280 pages. Yeah. And we all just had a meltdown for a minute of like, <laughs> oh my God, there are so many things. I, um, you I know, saw it on a hangover. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, you know, if, if something like this had existed back then and when we got that introduction, like you say, if, you know, Scott had said, oh, yeah, guys, download the app quickly. Just, you know, rattle off a couple of questions on there and then, you know, we can we can crack on, yeah. you know, at the first session. We all would have, I think, probably, um, I mean, we were all receptive to the massive text anyway, but... Yeah, we are We are strange that way. We are weird that way, yeah. 
But I personally would have preferred something like that because you can just kind of gradually, you know, deep dive your way in. And like you said, you get that dopamine ping and then you're like, oh, and then you goblin dive into the rest of it. And then next thing you know, you know all of it, Um, which is pretty much what I did with the book anyway. But (laughs) I think it's quite cool, though. Yeah. Yeah. And the other one that the, that the other partnership that they've signed is they've signed a partnership with a company called Tabletop Town. Now, this one I'm a bit <laughs> fuzzier on. Whoa. This seems to be like a way to run adventures with your phone. Right. Like through and through. So it seems to be like a messenger messaging app with a dice roller. And, you know, there are images of, of, you know, just these sort of text chains. And it is actually people playing Pathfinder. Which... It looks like it might be for kind of playtesting stuff as well. So just just looking at their website, um, it's do you write, ca- do you write campaigns, law or one shots to play in Paizo games? And then they're basically, you know, saying that you can do it through the tabletop tabletop town marketplace because you can host the content on there, and you can essentially use it as a bit of a playtest because it's going to just pull in with people, right? It's not necessarily going to be people that you have to know or or anything like that. So it could, if, if it's working the way that it's looking to me, um, a bit like a a resource pool for playtesting stuff that you've written as well, which could be quite cool. Oh, okay. So it's like a more streamlined version of Roll20? Yeah. With actual licensed stuff that you can just immediately And get. you can publish to it as well. Hmm. That could be quite interesting for someone like me who doesn't have a lot of, a lot spare, of spare time. Spare time. But you could have your phone on you. Yeah. There, there is a beta, which I am now going to download. Give <laughs> <laughs> an app store. I say the only thing I find with apps like that, especially when they're not saying anything about having vocal or like audio and stuff like that, mm-hmm. is if everyone's typing, it does become a bit more of a, a text-based slog. It's yeah. all text. It's a, it's an AES, It's Zorg. Yeah. It's an 80s text-based adventure. But people still play like that to this day in the, the Paizo forums. It's true, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, oh, on it, I don't know how. It's not something I've ever... Um... Uh, so, I'm just reading their press kit because reasons. So, what they're looking at here is I don't think it's meant to be for sort of live play. It is a bit more like a forum. It's an asynchronous casual play style. So essentially, it would be like you get your own forum thread for your game, which is what those conversations are. So it would actually be perfect for someone like you who doesn't get a lot of free time, because when you get a spare minute, you can take your turn. Ah. So yeah, it would actually be quite useful for me. Mm. And I could just sit there and go, oh, I do this now. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And that that's from what I've seen on the... The Paizo forums, that's how it works. Yeah, so their, their product overview is puts game night in your pocket. An asynchronous casual play style means that you can play games at your own pace on your own time. 
Everything you need to play is available for free with a premium subscription and create a marketplace for upgraded and customized content. I mean, for me, yeah. Did you did you look this up because you know I was coming on? <laughs> You're like, oh, there's this really cool thing that you can sit and just play. I bet Couch hasn't heard about this. I'm going to talk about it and yeah. make him spend money. Well, that's it. It's all about making people spend money. Spend the money. Uh, spend they the are money. also just reading a bit more on the press kit because they've got some stuff in here uh, due to the OGL, which is literally the heading on here. Um, that after, obviously, the way the OGL was received, they decided to not make it D&D specific and they uh, have actually made the app universal, it's system universal. So you can create events, like you'll be able to create and play any gaming system through it, is oh. their plan. Okay, so I'm in. <laughs> and I, I guess the way they oh, do that is because... Already? Yeah, I'm is, in. I'm in. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I guess the way that they do that is there's no specifics to, you know, system mechanics in the way that you, you type the things because you could just text, roll me this, and then they would roll that dice and add whatever was on their character sheet on their end, right? Because you could sit with a Fantasy Age character sheet and still be able to roll your dice and stuff through there and have the, the RP and everything happening in the app. Yeah. But then you're just doing your, you're using that to handle your dice and your interactions with each other. <laughs> so I've just you no know, work on my phone. It's not working on his phone. I've just created a test game. We're gonna make it a space opera. <laughs> Fuck it. <why> <laughs> Next. Okay, so I need I to. I am add, so I, playing a space wizard. I need to add friends. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we we will install the app, and we'll I think we'll have a little. Uh, we'll have a little. We'll, we'll, I think yeah. We'll tinker with it over the next week, and we'll talk about it more. Um, maybe next next week. See how we feel about it all so, right so yeah. am i am i being gm then am i no, sure why not i'll be gm space wizards <laughs> space wizards isn't that just jedis <laughs> we're not allowed to say that that's copyrighted it's copyrighted yeah <laughs> jedis space with glowy sticks <laughs> space wizards <laughs> but yeah so that was <sighs> that was tabletop town so that's gonna yeah, be yeah tabletop town that's quite cool i like that as a concept i think yeah. it's pretty cool um yeah. All right. So, what time is it? Um, right, so the next thing I, I saw, this is... I don't know, this one kind of... I found it to be quite... Quite hard to grasp for me because... You know, we are quite new to this whole scene, but apparently... Tabletop creators are struggling to plot their future amidst Twitter's still burning ashes. So I don't know if you guys know, but Twitter is is, is not getting uh, the best. It's, it's called X now. Oh, sorry. X <laughs> is, is not getting the best publicity for the past few months. Yeah. But, I mean, I've gone over <laughs> this article and every paragraph I've just kind of gone, yeah, but there's Mastodon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing as well, right? Is Twitter as a whole? I've never thought of Twitter as somewhere to go to expand your audience because the discoverability on it isn't that great, right? Most of the way that you get, um, you know, you expand your your reach and stuff on Twitter is by linking your Twitter from elsewhere. So, like, it would be like if we had a Twitter, right? 
or, or an X or whatever the hell it's called now. Um, God, I feel like such a boomer saying that sentence, <laughs> whatever it's called now. Um, <laughs> kids with your dark um, you know, like the, I, I, the only way that people would like find your Twitter account, like, cause I, I especially used to have this with streaming is people wouldn't just find my Twitter and then find my stream. It would always be the other way around, right? Somebody would find my stream and then that would link to them to my Twitter. And Twitter was more just for updating the people who already knew who you were. Um, so I wouldn't see that as as a bad thing for tabletop creators because most of the stuff that you're going to be wanting people to discover, you're going to do on like YouTube shorts, which the algorithm is amazing for, um, you know, Instagram shorts or sto- mm. and stories, stuff like that. Um, TikTok even, right? A-, a lot of the stuff that I've actually brought up in the past on this podcast, I've seen on TikTok shorts or uh, YouTube shorts or all those sorts of things of other creators saying, Hey, this would be a cool concept. I'm like, yes, it would. But what if, and I, you know, as Ludwig calls it for his YouTube channel, the yoink and twist, you take something somebody else has done and you twist it, hmm. which let's be honest is DMing 101. It's take something that everybody knows and loves, twist it slightly. And now it's your thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just don't see Twitter as, as, something that is is core to expanding an audience well apparently it is um you know apparently because on on mastodon mostly i'm following quite a lot of uh prominent creators in this space Mm. and a lot of their posts these days are yeah what the fuck are we gonna do because they're trying out all these other sort of Twitter clones, for want of a better, a better way. Well, you, of describing you mean like them. Uh, Threads, the the meta version, which is literally just the same thing. Yeah, and Threads, and then there's Blue Sky, and all that. And although their preferred um, platform is Mastodon, mm. they're not getting as much. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? as much interaction as they were on Twitter. So I think that's why people are kind of looking for, for different, mm. um, different shows. Whereas for me, I couldn't give a fuck. Yeah. I think, I think maybe it might be different once you reach a certain level on Twitter, because you, you will start to get interaction from, from other things. Um, but yeah, it's just, I I I don't see it as that big a deal, if I'm honest. Um, I mean, I can going through the article itself, reading one of the things that I've just quickly read. You've got someone that said it's they didn't use Twitter as a community; they used it as a public forum. So they shouted something. Someone retweeted. Then someone saw that and then retweeted, and it was just a. It was a more of a web, hmm. so it sort of spread yeah. out. Instead of having that community of people that are all trying to give you like feedback, you have that one person that all of a sudden shouts back to you, and then it's not a bunch of people going, yeah, this is great. It's that whole thing of going out to strangers who will then give you honest feedback. Yeah, but I feel you can achieve the same thing through... Um like, like I say, like YouTube shorts or um, even Instagram to a degree, because you can do all of that sort of thing through, through those platforms. Um, 
And I feel like, let's be honest, that the critique you're going to get on YouTube is going to be far more critical than what you'll get on it on yeah. Twitter or anything like that. But I think um, I think the point that Couch is putting across is you don't like on Twitter you don't you don't post for the for the critique. You just post to grow. You just post yeah, for someone to see retweet you and, and for someone else to retweet. You know, yeah. you will get feedback. You don't necessarily pay any attention to it. But it's just that web hits, and then all of a sudden you've got the five hundred people that have seen that retweet or. Mm goes from one person to another and then all of a sudden they're like oh I'm going to go back to this main poster and find them and then it sort of starts to spinball yeah yeah I think it was more about exposure than than anything else I'll put my hands up and say I don't have Twitter I've never had Twitter see I I do have Twitter um, but to be honest I I very rarely use it 99% of the the Twitter usage I had was when I ran my own esports team. Um, we used to use it for marketing and stuff like that because that kind of stuff you would you would at brands that you were working with or it it's good for networking in that regard. But on that same token, you can achieve the same thing on other platforms. You just have to know how to use those other platforms. So I think it also could just be a possibility of people have got used to Twitter and how Twitter works. And they're struggling to adapt to these other platforms. I once turned around and said to someone, I was too old to use WhatsApp. And that was a few (laughs) years ago. I turned around and was like, I have no idea what this WhatsApp's about. I'm too old to use it. And then someone's dad went, I use it all the time. I went, damn, I'm not old enough. (laughs) So I then downloaded it and, and just started trying to use it. Yeah, I think that that could be a a thing with it, right? Is because I mean, tw- let's be honest, right? Tw- Twitter has been a staple in our lives for as long as Facebook, if not longer. No, Facebook was two thousand eight. When did Twitter launch? I've... I'll let someone. I don't you know. guys all... Google it. Just... We'll look it up. We'll look I'm, it up. I'm not, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not looking it up. I'll let you guys do that. I was going to say we're. we're, we're... This tabletop podcast has gone into a technology podcast. We we do that a lot. Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> Although it is... 2006. It's been around longer. It's been around longer? It's been around longer than Facebook. Two years longer than really? Facebook. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like, it, it could well be that people are just so used to Twitter and how Twitter works that they're struggling to adapt to other platforms, right? It's something we've seen a lot of in, um, like, in, in live streaming, uh, no. right? Facebook um, was 2004. Uh, I think we all just moved across to it in 2008. Because MySpace was still MySpace was still a thing, yeah. Um, (laughs) But yeah, but still, it's around the same length of time, right? Because two years is neither here nor there, right? Um, And like I say, most people moved across to Facebook around 2007, 2008 sort of time. Um, But... When the lizard man took us all over. I mean, 2006, (laughs) when, when... when Twitter <laughs> launched, I mean that was that was almost twenty years ago, right? It's well, been a part of our lives for almost twenty years. It's true, and I can't yeah, wait. It's gonna gonna amazing. Um, they need to roll for initiative right now. Rolling, um, <laughs> but like, yeah. So Twitter's been around for almost twenty years at this point. It, it's just ingrained in our lives. Um, and we, we had a similar thing in, in the live streaming space with Twitch. Everyone got so used to Twitch. Whenever a a competitor to Twitch came out, everyone would look at it and go. Yeah, some of these features are great, but Twitch. Yeah. 
Um, and you look at the ones that failed, they failed purely because they didn't have people. They were better platforms. They worked better for the streamers. They paid better for the streamers. They were great for the audiences. Discoverability was better. But Twitch had all the users, so it failed. Mm. What we're seeing now with Twitter is all of the users are going, fuck this, I'm out. And now the creators are having to find out how to reconnect with their audiences elsewhere. Mm. And I think it's just going to be a learning curve for everyone to kind of figure out how to use these other platforms to reconnect with their audience. Well, See, very much the only thing I would say, looking at this Twitter icon, the new X icon, <laughs> it just genuinely looks like someone's going through a teenage emo phase. Yep. It's not a phase, mom. <laughs> but isn't that just Elon Musk? I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, isn't that just his entire fucking existence? Is a teenage it's, it's, emo it's, phase. It's pretty with, it's pretty on it's pretty on brand for him, yeah. You know, with you know racist money. Yeah. And then flying and bursting holes through the atmosphere and going somewhere uncharted. Wow, that segue. Uh, oh uh, my god. Uh, 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 that That is yeah. Fucking bravo. Don't walk away. Don't walk away. No. You invited me here. Don't no, walk away. I mean Yeah, that was good. That was good. We gotta hand it to him, man. <laughs> right, Justin, nice. do you wanna to talk to us about this one or uh what Uncharted Journeys? Yeah. Which is why people now understand the huge sigh at that segue. <laughs> um, <laughs> Good segue. It's a 5e thing. I thought you'd be excited about this. <laughs> it is a 5e thing. I put this in um, for you. Oh, thank you. It would have been good if I read it first. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault that you don't do your homework. It's been on there since yesterday. I Has it? Yep. Okay, that's on me. I can't. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> All right, that's so I'll, I'll start it off. <laughs> All right. So a lot of times, and we have discussed this, I think we discussed it when Malin was on. Um, yes. The, the traveling portion of a campaign, when you're going yes. from point A to point B, can sometimes be somewhat tedious. And, you know, you can do random encounters. And even that, after a while, I... I I don't like doing them, although sometimes when I'm not ready for them to to arrive at the next place, I'll give yeah. them a, a session of four random encounters just to kind <laughs> of, you know, a bit of busy work, just to yeah. kind of, you know, tide them over, get some XP, see some interesting creatures, and that's it. But this is a book full of rules, charts, random encounters, that can th- be threaded into a 5e D&D campaign and it's all focused on the journey from point A to point B. So it is a way to kind of spice that up. And I think it's a really, See, I... really cool idea. I'd be interested to to kind of peruse it. Um, and apparently... Um, these rules first made their appearance in Cubicle 7's 5e adaptation of The One Ring called Adventures in Middle-Earth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it is... Like I say, I can't really go too much into it because I've only perused this article because, you know, 5e. Yeah. But it does seem like a really interesting um, addition to any campaign. Yeah, I mean, I always find 
that when we were playing big campaigns and obviously you have this whole thing where you have to go across an entire continent or you have to go across the sea and it's like they keep sitting there and saying, oh, you've got three months worth of travel ahead of you. You've got two weeks worth of travel and you sit there and go, okay. And then next thing is GM's going, oh yeah, well I'll hand wave a week and a half. <laughs> and you're like, well, what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. So, but, <laughs> but in two weeks, something could have happened. And that that's this sort of looking at how to fill that void. And I think that's the one thing I always missed in some of the campaigns we play. Mm. I mean, we found ways around traveling. Yeah, didn't you like just turn into mist and travel that way? That yeah, wind walk. Yeah, that was it. Just wind walk. Oh, we travel at 60 miles an hour. <laughs> and, about seven and having a GM look at me and go, prep went in the bin. I hate you. Yeah. Yeah, I hate <laughs> you so much. So... So I, I actually uh, ran away very quickly there while you were talking because I wanted to grab one of my 5e books um, because essentially this sounds like a very big version of a table that already existed in uh, Xanathar's Guide to Everything. So towards the back of uh, Xanathar's, there is a encounters um, table or list bunch of tables uh, in the Dungeon Master's Tools, which has... It, like mountain encounters for levels one to four, mountain encounters five to ten, and stuff like that. So you can actually roll like if if you've decided okay they're going to have an encounter, um, you roll a d one hundred and essentially go to the um, the what's the one I'm looking for the the right table. I couldn't think of the word I was trying to think of there. Um, you go to the right table for the the environment and their level. Uh, roll a d100 and then that gives you a an encounter for for them at that level in that environment and it would make sense for that creature to be there um so for example let's say the the example we're just having right you're on a boat you're sailing off to uh i don't know sailing off somewhere you would decide and you decide that okay there's gonna be a week i want to give them a, a random encounter that happens uh maybe they they stop by a coastal you know, the, the coast of an island, so it's going to be a coastal encounter. They're level, between levels 5 and 10, so you roll a D100, oh. let's say you roll a 8, so that's going to be one sea hag. So they fight one sea hag. Um, so it, this sounds like just a more in-depth version of what they've provided in the past, which yeah. is pretty cool. I've used, I've used this before um, in the back of Xanathar's, so I would I would also be very intrigued to go through this because it looks like they've got a lot of other stuff in there as well for things to do on journeys that are going to break up the, yeah, you're sitting in a caravan for six weeks. But that isn't just, oh, here's a combat. Oh, here's another combat. Um, it looks like they've got a bunch of other stuff. And by the looks of it as well, from what Couch has just pulled up on the screen, there's actually roles for while you're traveling as well. Yeah. See, while you were talking, obviously, my whole thing is I'm very good at speed reading and blasting through things quickly. So I've just brought up a overview of it. Mm. Now, it doesn't actually look D&D specific. It yeah. looks like you can use it for D&D, but they break it down that you've now got roles during traveling. Yeah. So you've got a leader, you've got an outrider... 
You've got a quartermaster who keeps all the stock. You've got a sentry who keeps eye over everyone while traveling. And there are roles for it, and there are special abilities. And you gain supply dice for quartermasters, focus dice. See, I, I quite like that whole concept of a sentry as well, though, right? Because you could plan to have an encounter for them that they just don't know is coming because the sentry missed it. Yeah. I like that. So, I mean, it looks like it's the sort of thing that would bring up and fill in those big gaps you have, Mm. but also mean that people can still play in those gaps. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing that a lot of people, obviously I've spoken to over the years, and you, you have those campaigns that just go on across, like I'd say, even the Five Kings Mountains. Mm. Uh, so that's Pathfinder. If you go into D&D, like if you're going through the whole of Winterhold. Yeah. And that sort of stuff. I, I definitely think it's been a big hole in, in, in the game is travel. Because like you say, you do end up as a DM just hand-waving a lot of it away. I mean, it looks like it's a tabletop version because neither of you have played... I asked that question about Kingmaker mm. a few weeks ago. Yeah. A month or two ago. One of your many questions. One of my many questions. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, and I've played Kingmaker, and in that game, to rest, you have to put characters in certain mm. places. So you have the person that's the forager. You have the person that is the sentry. A person that's the cook. And they then have... Jobs to do. Jobs to do. But during the rest, it then random number generates, uses their skill, mm. and actually comes back to you with the results of what they did. Yeah. So like the cook, if they rolled a 15, they don't make the best meal in the world. Yeah. And the sentries, if you actually put people's wisdom in there and they have their perception and the middle person could fail their perception. So it's actually like a true to... Life. tabletop game yeah. what would happen yeah and this seems to take that and go oh you're travelling this is now what you're going to be doing yeah so it's not going to be a case of oh every night we're going to do your checks yeah, yeah. it's uh, alright during that week alright we need the sentry to roll this we need the quartermaster to do this the leader to do this and the outriders to do this yeah so you then have that break up of I don't have to have you encounter five different things over the course of a week because you you are doing stuff so the space is filled. you are don't yeah, in that space I like that so you wouldn't then have to give them XP constantly you'd give them XP for doing certain tasks mm. and then you wouldn't have a random encounter of oh that took us three hours instead of just the half an hour I thought it would take yeah and it would space out GM's life a lot better yeah I, I really like this no, I think it's. I think it's uh, an interesting product. Um, it is five E um, based. Um, here come, uh, comes uncharted journeys for a five E. So it brings detailed travel rules to the fifth edition of the world's most popular role playing game. Mm. Mm. Uh, but I don't know. I don't think I'd have much trouble. In yeah, I was, I was about to say. I, I don't. I don't see it being too difficult to. Uh to port across to other systems the the concepts of it right no it'd be it'd be fairly straightforward mm. but yeah that is definitely something that i yeah. will be it's interesting checking mm. out yeah 
So speaking of porting across, should we port across to the couch? <laughs> that segue was terrible, but yes, let's do it. Port. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> you would. So I have two questions today. Uh, and it's kind of a question for each of us because they're aimed at the systems that we play. Okay. So uh, both of these questions come from sci-fi. All right. Uh, who His location is, uh, there is an eerie purple glow coming from a collapsed section ahead in the access tunnel. Should he go in or turn back? Go in. I agree, you should go in. Um, so Definitely. the first question he asked is, what part of the Pathfinder 2nd Edition remaster are you most looking forward to? Now, I feel that one is definitely directed at you. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, there's a very straightforward answer. Getting rid of fucking alignment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could have guessed that one, actually. <laughs> How about chaotic go and fuck yourself? <laughs> I, am, I am sick to death of that rule. Mm. You know, I yeah. don't think it adds anything to the game. Um, and the fact that they're getting rid of it is just... That's just Proof of that. Fantastic. Yeah. But wizard. yeah, that, that and the wizard school. It's getting rid of them as well. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, so there you go. I, but I like my chaotic, neutral, <laughs> illusion <laughs> wizard. <laughs> Illusion that can only it, do three spells. Illusion is actually staying. That's the school. Yeah. That's, oh damn! <laughs> <laughs> that's staying, but every like the other ones, like conjuration, evocation, all mm. that, they are actually going to be actual schools in Galarian. So you will go to the school of battle magic in wherever, and you mm. will learn spells that. that so you're going to go to Hogwarts. Yeah, I'm you could, genuinely like, going to make a character. Rules. I'm going to make a character that went to the fire school in Absalom. And that was it. That's all they learned. <laughs> that's, that's fireball. It. Just fire. Fireball. Fire. fire. Yeah, what else do you fireball. cast? Fire. Fireball. Just fire. fireball. <laughs> what else do you need? <laughs> do I need to do anything else? <laughs> can you charm monster? Fire. <laughs> fireball. <laughs> <laughs> I can turn it to ash. <laughs> there fireball. Was... Oh, fuck. That reminds me of something I saw. I don't know whether it was on Reddit or something like that about this this weird concept that someone came up with about a wizard that all they could cast is fireball, but <laughs> they could use it in a myriad of ways. That's pretty cool. And I'll see if I can find it. I'll send you guys the yeah. link. It was it was very <laughs> fucking funny. So it was like, okay, so I use fireball to to charm this monster because if not he's going to get burnt to fuck <laughs> <laughs> sort of thing. I like that that's pretty cool um, right and then his other question was what rule or mechanic would you like to change in D&D now this is something that I have thought about a lot recently and for me it would be attacks of opportunity I hate them I think they're stupid because all it does is make everybody terrified to move in combat. You know, there's a system, right? <laughs> in which attacks mm -hmm. of opportunity aren't prevalent and very few creatures and characters can actually <laughs> use them. I think, you know. I think we're alluding to another system. We, we are. 
However, it's something that, <laughs> as I was saying, I've thought about a lot and I've found with the help of Couch, because we were discussing it earlier, yeah. um, I found a, well, we found a really good way for 5e to get around attacks of opportunity, um, which would be a... Uh, so we're looking at a f- flat check. Yeah. So, so instead of Pathfinder's first edition's acrobatics to get through against their CMB, we're looking at a fifth edition so flat be, check. Yeah, so you'd roll add your proficiency bonus um, and you would compare against the uh, the enemy's passive perception. So that's basically, you would be stepping stepping away and they would be trying to see whether they notice you step away. Because they are also in combat and distracted and things are happening around them, right? So only if you make that proficiency bonus roll and go under their um, passive perception, do they notice that you're trying to sneak away to go and do something else? Yeah, I mean... Because I feel people would would be more likely to move around in combat then. Because to be fair, um, you know, that was a problem with Pathfinder 1st Edition as well, that that battles became very stagnant. It's been fixed in 2nd Edition with because not everybody gets attacks of opportunity you know mm. and that's it it's like um okay so i think it i think someone did the math and it was about out of the thousands and thousands of monsters about 60 of them had attacks of opportunity and you know it also gives you the ability to use reactions for other things as well yeah but yeah, so I do, I do agree with with the tax opportunity being a shit rule. Yeah. Well, yeah, because again, so that that was something else that we we spoke about with it um, is we don't want to get rid of them or reduce the, you know, them being there because there are entire character builds and feats around avoiding them, right? Um, or provoking them because there are also some feats that force them to have an attack of opportunity against them, even beyond your reactions per round. Um, so we don't want to nullify those features and stuff that characters can have um, by just saying, oh, okay, well, only like 10% of the monsters have them now. Um, because essentially then all of those builds and those features that classes are built around would just feel a bit like, okay, so I've got all these feats for, what, 10% of the monsters? What's the point? So it was just trying to find that balance um, of still having them in there so that those builds are worthwhile having, but not making them so terrifying that everybody just goes, no, not moving. No, yeah, I do get it. It's, I don't know. I think it's just a carryover from from 3.5. And yeah, of course it is. And even older. And yeah. It's just one of those rules that's got, that just kind of needs to either be tampered, uh, either be tapered, or just kind of got rid of, to be honest. Binned off, yeah. I do find that some of the longer-running systems, they must have the book in front of them or the original copy, and they add in what they want to do, and they forget about other things. Yes. And then they just press go. Yeah. Yeah. And then someone goes, well, what about this rule? I said, oh, fuck. Oh, damn, (laughs) we forgot that one. (laughs) Why did we leave that there? It's like when, it's like when you've just gone to the toilet around someone's house and you always forget to flush. It's like, ah, oh, damn it! They're gonna notice. They're gonna see Definitely that big check. bag of cocaine. 
definitely check in my bathroom after this. Damn it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I think that that answers those questions quite quite nicely. All right, so I've got a couple of questions as well. And don't mm-hmm. worry, we will get to Couchy's question or questions. He can ask as many as he wants. Well, it's not that far. I've got things to do. <laughs> okay, so the next question is from Chris from Just Over Your Shoulder. No, the other one. <laughs> you actually did it. Yeah, of course I did. You actually did it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that Couch is there to tell me that because I wouldn't have seen it. I can way. inform you of what's happening. Thank you. I looked Thank over my right much. shoulder and then I looked over my left. I can inform you that he's not behind either shoulder. So he's lying. Okay, so he's, uh, Chris's question is, the rule of cool has been used by many GMs. What are the best examples you have witnessed and what are the ones you wish you could have allowed but had to refuse? Oh, my uh, Warforged. <laughs> my Warforged in D&D. <laughs> that was the best ever rule of cool ever that I dealt with. Was that in my game? Because I, re- that I think that was about- in one of... Yeah, I think that must have been one of the ones I played for with you as GM. Yeah, because I, I started running and Tyranny it was I came in on a one-shot or something because I only had that one time I could come in. And I ended up... I was a Warforged. I think Chris, the guy that asked the question, was a gnome. Yeah. And I, we've chased someone down to a... Um, basically a treehouse mm. and they've locked themselves away but the window's open so I've sat there and gone can I throw the gnome and obviously there was no real check for it Yeah, but it was you turned around and just went yeah that sounds cool Yeah, <laughs> I know what my number is that you need to hit so I've just picked up the gnome chucked him yeah Managed to roll, I think it was a 24. Yeah. Which was one short of what one needed. Yeah. So instead of me throwing him in the window, I smashed him against the, wall the window frame. Time. Yeah. <laughs> and then he had to try and make another roll <laughs> to, catch to the get ledge. in there yeah. to be able to continue it. But obviously, because it was my turn, yeah. he didn't have to use an action to get in there. No, yeah, yeah. And that was the, the sort of quite best rule of call I've seen in play. Because it was just like so cinematic, but it was my character spent. He's small. He'll filter out the window. I'll throw him. I'm gonna throw him. <laughs> yeah. And I was loud, and it was like, yeah, oh, awesome. I love this. Yeah. No, I think mine was uh, mine was actually involving Chris as well, um, which was so I was doing. Um, it was actually it was it was this book next to me. It was uh, Dragon Heist for uh, Waterdeep. Um, he was down in the sewers. And there was this one bit that had, um, they were going through these sewers and they got to like a, a junction point and there was two of those like archery slits, uh, you know, where they just pump arrows through. Um, so what they did was they put the tower shield up against um, one of those um, to block one of the archers. And then the other one, every time he knocked an arrow, uh, Chris was holding his action to mage hand the arrow off of the guy's bow. So this goblin would basically pull an arrow, knock it, draw, and as soon as he drew it, Chris would just 
move the arrow <laughs> every time. So it's just, Nit. oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, that side of things, I, I think it does work pretty well. Yeah. Okay, so our next question has been sent in by our good friend Malin, the creator of the tabletop role-playing game Bind that we're both huge fans of. Yes. Um, he's writing to us from Serbia, and mm-hmm. his question is, my favourite genre-based rule was a doct- in a Doctor Who RPG. The initiative went like this. Anyone speaking goes first. Anyone using items goes second. Anyone running somewhere goes third. And finally, those attacking go last. This is a really stupid mechanic for any other RPG but for Doctor Who. It immediately forced everything to adhere to a phone box-based narrative. What are your favourite <laughs> genre-based rules? Oh. Ooh. I don't know that I've got one. Okay, um, how about you, Couch? How about you, Couch? Um, if you're looking at just tabletop sort of style games, one of my favourite rules goes through to Wrath and Story. And it's very similar, like the way the initiative works, is that as soon as a battle starts, it isn't roll initiative or do this or do that. It's whoever makes that first move goes first, full stop. And then after that, it's a back and forth. It's call and respond. So if you've shot someone, it then goes to them. And then that person, whatever they're doing, it goes back to the person they're dealing with and it's a back and forth. Because obviously looking at Warhammer 40,000 as a normal game. Mm. I was about to say, that sounds like combat. That is very much like combat in Warhammer 40k. So they've taken that and put it into a tabletop style game. Mm. So for me, I really like that sort of back and forth. There's no... Oh, five of us get to go first. Yeah. And then you get to respond. Because you might be dead by that point. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing with the 40k universe is it is so gritty and things can turn quick that I like that way that rule works. Yeah. Yeah, that does sound sound pretty good. Um, Mm. I think for mine, I would have to kind of uh, go to Delta Green and the the sort of toll that being a Delta Green agent takes on your character. I actually just thought about that myself. That was quite fun. I did enjoy that. <laughs> so you've got you've got the obvious sanity rules where you're encountered with violence, helplessness, or the unnatural, which take a toll on your sanity. If your sanity drops low enough, you can get disorders like addictions, depression, etc., etc. But it also has an Ooh. effect... Mm. on the people yeah. in your life so you as when you create your character you create these bonds so <laughs> you can you can use your bonds to kind of stave off going insane but your yeah. bonds suffer because of it and i just think the whole sort of interpersonal um level of play is is fantastically done in delta green yeah, like li- literally after saying I don't really have one, uh, 
that that's where my mind started to go to was the way stuff works in, in Delta Green just as a whole. Um, because I, I do really like, like, like you say, the way that you can, you can use elements of your backstory to help you in the current, but then that affects that element of your backstory. Um, I, I, I really like that actually. Yeah. So I think I would have to agree with you on that one and say the same. Yeah. I think that's good. It reminds me of corruption points Mm. and things like that. Yeah. In a, in a sense it is similar. Yeah. Yeah. And then, because I mean, my, my experience with Delta Green was the the campaign that John ran. That I well, it was a bit more of a one shot, not a campaign, um, where w- one of the other players actually went crazy, um, and my character, not realizing he had gone crazy, went to try and calm him down and got straight Aided. up murdered. Aided. Yeah, Aided. just straight up. He because like. Because um, John, I, I think I believe you even told me like he messaged you privately to say if he comes through that door, I'm killing him. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Yeah. <laughs> so and obviously my character unaware of this and just going, what the hell is going on here, guys? Like, bro, just like chill. Like he just went, nope, dead. Uh, he just, yeah, just killed my character off, and I was like, just the the fact that the because there's also like there's if if I'm remembering correctly and correct me if I am wrong here, John. There's even like points where once your sanity gets to a certain point. Um, there's things that like the GM will have for what is happening in your mind. Um, so, so like it would be like, oh yeah, you're starting to like have these elements of like paranoia creeping in, or that was that was mainly for that one shot. Um, mm. For for the actual game, things get even darker. <laughs> they so honestly, I love Arkham games, Arkham horror games are so mm. mental. They yeah they get they really fucking dark, yeah, and uh, you know I love I love the system, um, but mm. it's not one I would play with everybody. Um, yeah, it's, it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> it's not. Uh, it is yeah. So that the the whole sanity rules and the whole bonds mechanic, I think it's I think mm. it's really well done in Delta Green. So that would be mine anyway. All right. Okay. So. Uh, Couch, have you got a question for us? I Which have, we're I have gonna... a multitude of questions. Which we're probably going to make you answer anyway, so... Yep, you're going to answer your own question I'll answer my own question. Yes! So what I'll do then is I'll ask the one that I sent in after the last week's one, which was... My name is the Couch, formerly known as Chef. My location was last seen driving a golf cart off the Dartford Bridge. <laughs> oh. And my question is to you two is, would you DM a game not set in your preferred game's current era? Now, I say that it's before 1489 DR mm-hmm. in D&D, D&D. Yep. and 4723 in Pathfinder. Would you enjoy the challenges on adhering to the law and story that is fixed? Or would you leave it be? <clears throat> I, I wouldn't have a problem doing it. I absolutely would run a game that was set pre-current era D&D. Um, I would just have to figure out, one, obviously how far back we're going and what has and hasn't happened. 
Um, but I would absolutely let that influence the game. So, like, for example, um, the... Um, my mind's gone completely blank on the the race, but there's a, a mechanical race in D&D, and it's going to come to me later, and I'm just going to shout it out, and you guys will be like, what the hell are you talking about? Um, but there, there's essentially a, a mechanical race in D&D um, that wouldn't have existed pre a certain time. Yeah. So obviously they're just not going to be around. Right. Um, and it's, it's so things like that would have to obviously let that filter into what is and isn't mm. in the world, but I would absolutely be down for, for running like a, like an ancient D and D session. So it, yeah. It, it's a bit of an expansion <laughs> on what I asked last week. Yeah. Where, when I said, would you have a preferred time period? Yeah. And obviously in real life time periods. Exactly, yeah. It, it, you would have but to... But in law time period... Yeah. I, I would quite enjoy that, actually. Because it would be very idea. different. Yeah. I, I personally would quite enjoy that. So, yeah. I, I would absolutely run a game that was ancient D&D. And in Pathfinder, John, would you? Um. Yeah. So, I think, like, listening to Justin's answer, you guys kind of expanded on the question a tiny bit. Because, you know, in, like, for example, if I were to run a first edition AP, it would technically be in a different era. It would be, mm. you know, 10 years prior to, to what it is now. And everything is kind of encapsulated within that AP, so it wouldn't be a problem. But in terms of actual ages, as they're kind of defined in Pathfinder, I'd be yeah. really interested to run something like in the Age of Serpents. Mm. You know, which is prior to fucking everything. Yeah, yeah. And I'd have, obviously there'd be a lot of homework that needed to be done just to kind of like... Just yeah, to absolutely, say, yeah. To figure out... What does and doesn't exist. Yeah, what, <laughs> what, how the world has changed. So, like, for example, in the Age of Serpents, you'd have, you know, that would be prior to the fucking rise of the the Aslanti Empire or, you know, the Rune Lords. It'd be prior to all that bullshit. So, yeah, it in a way, that would give me a bit of a blank canvas to kind of go, okay, I can create this world now. Mm. You know, because there is nothing documented for it. Or should I say very little documented. So, yeah, I think that would be quite an interesting exercise. I'd be, I'd definitely be, be interested in taking that one up. Warforged. That was the race I was that's, trying to think of. That's what I played. Warforged. Yeah, you even said it earlier. Yeah. My brain just, yeah, I was, yeah. Warforged uh, is the mechanical race that wouldn't <laughs> exist. I told what? you I was just going to blurt it out randomly. <laughs> I was hoping for the blurt out to be a bit more Warforged. <laughs> I, I was going to do, well, no, it came to me while you were talking and I was, it took every fire from my being not to interrupt you because you were on something really good there. And I, I was, yeah. Like you should, that, have, you should have done for, I was, for comedic I, it was, value. It, it almost happened. It almost happened. <laughs> it's a lost opportunity. <laughs> if you want me to answer my own question. I would. Well. I would love yes. for you to answer Would you, Would you DM a game? Okay. <laughs> so, D&D, don't have an idea. I'd just do it's whatever I wanted fun. to. Yeah, it's half the fun. Pathfinder, I'd probably go back to before the world wound was there. Hmm. And I'd probably try and D&D something. I know, I'd try and DM something. Ah, I'm winning. I'm getting in his no, head. I, I hate being in this house. This house is full of D&D. 
<laughs> it is that. It's, a, it's very full myself. of DD. <laughs> I've got lots of DD stuff on Burn this the play. sage. Burn the sage. Um, <laughs> we need to go with an ancient manuscript of the Orc license. <laughs> <laughs> this, this house is clean. This, this house is clean. Um, but I do the wolf. I, I do back before the world wound was actually there. Mm. And so I probably DM that area and sort of the lead up to the world wound being made. Mm, that's an interesting And concept. I think it'd be I quite would, a fun... I'd play the shit out of that. Yeah, I'd play that. And I mean, going back into my wheelhouse, I would probably look at 40k. And currently in 40k, we're at M41009 or something, 010, with the new Crusades that sure, are happening in Dominus sure, Crusade. I know a lot about <laughs> no, I 40k. Know. Sure, why not? <laughs> but I mean, if I was to DM a Wrath and Story campaign... Mm. I could use the rules as written yeah. to then try and jump back yeah, and maybe even run a pre-heresy game, mm. which would be like 30k, 29k, stuff like that. Yeah. So all the stuff in those eras were fixed points yeah. in the history. So you couldn't change them, but actually being involved in events that led up lead to up those to historical things. Yeah. Yeah, that'd I think be that's cool. how I'd run it. Yeah, so you you could essentially have it so that the the quest that they're on leads up to a major event in the lore of that world. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. And I think that's how I'd look at it. Yeah. I'd look at it as running an event that would yeah. lead the characters to be like, "Oh crap, this is when this happened." Yeah, yeah, I actually and really that's like that. When you fall into that, oh my god, I can't believe you did this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh that's that's actually really cool i like that i like that so yeah leading the characters to actually be a part of some of those like world defining moments yeah so when are you gonna gm yeah <laughs> so when are we playing <laughs> I, mean, I mean once the kids are back in nursery properly and i've got my hours all sorted technically I'm hoping to go down to like four days a week work so I can start doing something. It has a table. I know you have a table. It's a big table. It's got TV on it. I know it does. I know it does. (laughs) I can see the uh, setup from here. Yeah. (laughs) All right, count count me in. Sweet. All right, let's put it on the list. Couch is DMing ancient worlds. (laughs) All right, well, I think that's all we've got time for tonight. Yes. Cool. Yeah, so Couch, thank you ever so much for joining. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much for having me. And obviously, if you never want to speak to me again, that's fine. But if you do, with us anytime. Yes, awesome. I mean, I am just a stone's throw. Yeah, literally. Or I'm living in a kitchen. That's it. That's genuinely what I do. To, to oh, clarify, no. not my kitchen. I'm just going to put that out there. He doesn't know I'm going to do that. <laughs> hey, if you want to cook me dinner, that's fine. I'm going to say no. Has, has Couch brought dinner. an unusually big bag? <laughs> <laughs> Couch always brings an unusually big bag. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not denying that. Right. I always um, have my bag with me. All right. Also, <laughs> thanks to you, Justin, for spending some time with me this evening. Of course. Now, do you want to tell my friend? Do you want to tell the people where they can find you on the interwebs? 
I guess so. Um, so I can be found at Just an Accurate TV on pretty much all social medias. Uh, so that's the Instagrams, the Twitters, or the Xs, or whatever it's called now. Uh, and over on Twitch.tv. Yeah, as for me, you can catch me uh, at Natural Juan on most of the um, most of the social media as well. I'm most active on Mastodon. So if you're on there, don't hesitate to to find me on dice.camp and give you know just give me a shout out also we have a facebook group that you're welcome yes. to join interact with talk to people it's it's fantastic <laughs> mm. we're not biased at all we're not biased at all i'm on there and i like it well there you go <laughs> there you outside go. opinion we have a testament so maybe a testimonial sorry not a testament <laughs> yeah this is um, and stars, most importantly, yeah. <laughs> thank you to everyone who has taken time out of their busy day to listen to us waffle on mm. for a bit. If you like what you hear, don't hesitate to rate and subscribe, and hopefully we can grow this and eventually do kind of more with this platform. So thank you very much, everyone. Good night. Bye. Bye. Bye.